the fuck did you just make me watch Strange? What the fuck? Um, I believe I made you watch the Y2K Star Wars movies. The prequels that we, everyone was super excited about watching. <sighs> so, you know, you know, you know, it was quite funny in, in modern discourse. Modern Star Wars discourse. Oh, hello, everyone, by the way, but we'll, we'll do it in just a second. But look, ha, ha, there's been a general re-examination of the prequels, hasn't there? There's, there's been a sense where people have gone back and said, you know what, actually, Lucas was onto something. These, these are actually an underappreciated masterpiece. And in time, people will come to view these alongside the original trilogy as some of the greatest cinematic moments of all time. I put it to you, that is bunk. That is <laughs> bunk, sir. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, and Rachel's uh, sick, by the way, because, you know, it's Christmas, so everyone's sick between Christmas, so there you go. I'm not that sick. I just have, like, a little sore throat and a cold. I think you're allergic to the prequels is what it is. Do you know what? I kind of feel allergic to the prequels, and do you know why? Because it's not called Star Wars A Phantom Menace or The Phantom Menace. It's called Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It's like a Fallout Boy song title is what it is. <laughs> why is it so long? And why then can I not fucking Google it properly? Because it's not Star Wars The Phantom Menace. It's Star Wars Episode One. I'm sorry, but that's something I really can't forgive this movie for, is the fact that it's got stupid Episode One written giant in the middle. It's, 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 that's the hill for this particular film you're choosing to die on, the name, because, well, oh, oh, oh my, oh my. Um, so can I just, I just want to put this out here, right here and now. This is not a good film, okay? It's not a good Star Wars film. It's not a good film, period. It's a well-made film, but it is not a good film. I think it's a film that absolutely epitomises the time it was made. It has big, big Y2K energy in this movie, which is interesting considering it's high fantasy and set a million years in the past or future or never. Um, but yeah, this film is garbage. Come back tomorrow when we talk about the Clone Wars. Um, oh, oh no, it, it'll Attack only get better here. But so, 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 so this, this was, I suppose, you were peak target audience for this when this I came out. I was nine. Yeah. What are your recollections of seeing this as a nine-year-old then? So I remember queuing up to watch this at the cinema with my father. I remember it was the same year the Pokemon movie came out and I was equally very excited about that movie. And I had in my bedroom at my father's house uh, a reversible poster and one side was the original 150 pokemon and the other side was darth maul and i used to really want the darth maul side up in my room but he terrified me so i had the pokemon side because darth maul is legitimately terrifying and i think even today darth maul is still quite terrifying do you know what's even more terrifying the dirty they did to him though in this movie the absolute dirty it's not killing him at the end which i'm actually okay with you know that's a, a narrative construct and that's fine but i knew he was only in it for like 12 minutes i know he has as much screen time as legolas does in like the first lord of the rings movie but holy fucking christ balls like what the thing, the, so the thing is with this, I, I think this 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 film probably certainly today is is the best looking Star Wars film. The production design here is absolutely amazing. It, it, this feels like when we're walking around the palaces of Naboo, I legitimately think that they're just shooting on location somewhere. They don't they don't look like sets. They feel like the actual marble columns. It feels like a real place, uh, which will, will become important uh, tomorrow when we're talking about. I mean, I distinctly remembering the first time I went to see um, uh, this. I took my brother, who was, I, f I want to say, seven, eight. You know, he, he was, again, kind of the, the kind of peak age range for it. I remember sitting down, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars, and, and, and the opening sequence, and I was on board. But I, I think the earliest, the, the red flags were there straight away with the title crawl talking about taxation and trade routes and things like this it just this just i i don't i don't know what lucas was thinking here it, it, this is he, he's very clearly got a sense in his own mind what he's doing he has a story he's trying to tell but what's missing here is that second pass where someone sits him down and says okay we're going to take your ideas we're going to we're going to kind of refine them down get rid of all this money, get, get down to the essence of the gold that is your idea and build it up from there this is the good ideas are in there, but they're covered under so much crap. It's just it's, it's just hard to sieve them out. So, yet again, I made notes when I watched this. And my first note is, 
I can only imagine the excitement people had as I heard the start, um, the starting music, and the word Star Wars appear, only for the first te- for the first sentence to talk about trade disputes. So clearly, I had exactly the same thought you did as an adult. Um, yeah, it was it was such a disappointment, and I felt the disappointment. And I knew what this movie was, or I thought I knew what this movie was, having seen it many times. But it just <laughs> having watched obviously Return of the Jedi yesterday and now coming to watch a Phantom Minister Day, just what a letdown it was. And that's what a whiplash a, there, isn't it? That's that's it, a whiplash. It is. <laughs> and I could understand if we were talking about the original three movies were made by one creator and then it had been sold to another production company and this was a whole new set of creators and the whiplash was there because it's a different company going in a different direction. But it's not. It's the same dude. It's the same dude, but it's the dude after 20-odd years of being revered as an auteur, as, as, as the god of Star Wars, as, as someone who can do no wrong there. So, so you know as we've gone through the original films you know Star Wars A New Hope whatever you want to call it is it is a fantasy film Absolutely. Empire Strikes Back is a war film Return of a Jedi is a heist slash action adventure and war film you know just kind of you know it's two separate films as we discussed I agree with all of that what kind of film is this? this to me is high fantasy again is it though? well where it's are the of high fantasy? where, where I was watching this trying to go what kind of a film is this and i couldn't pin it down it's it's trying to be political thriller it's trying to be an, an a kid's adventure it's it's trying to be fantasy it's trying to have the war experts it, it it's it's desperately trying i feel to be star wars in 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 terms of a structure but it's just absolutely failing i say it's fantasy and the reason i say it's fantasy is because it has more fantasy tropes and science fiction tropes I'd say and you know we've rescued the young boy from the car from from evil places and stuff and we'll, we'll get on to that because I have issues with that as well but you know there's a real I don't know you're right there's I certainly don't get any of the tonal gravitas of war movies or anything like that and I don't know maybe it's just because it's that weird point between Christmas and New Year and you don't really know anything that's happening but it really felt I couldn't I couldn't hold on to anything in this movie. It moved at such a breakneck speed from thing to thing. There was no connectivity. Like, what happened to establishing shots in this movie? Because we didn't really get them a lot of the time. There was nothing to glue the whole thing together. It was like a selection of half conversations or end of conversations glued together with some action. There was nothing... Like, I felt I couldn't hold on to the essence of this movie or what it's trying to tell me. I mean, I think I think that kind of leads to what I think is the biggest failing of this film, and 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 I have to put you know, in, in this instance the blame squarely lands with Lucas. It is he cannot direct actors, he he cannot tell the actors how to achieve what the moment requires. You know, a, a sense of gravitas. There's some really flat line readings here, and it's especially apparent with Jake Lloyd, who we'll talk about him in a second there. But 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 does. There's choices in the way that he is having the actors perform scenes and deliver lines that really does feel like it's the first read-through of some off-Broadway um, stage play, you know, where you know someone's just off-screen feeding them the line. At no point do you feel immersed in the world, at least not for me. At no point do you think these are people who are actually inhabiting this role of the Jedi, with the exceptions of Ian McDermott and Anthony Daniels who, you know, clearly are just bringing over, they've been playing these characters for many years. I mean, you have Natalie Portman here, who is uh, an award-winning actress, and at this time had done some great stuff, you know, dating all the way back to, I think Leon at this point was maybe a decade before then. So she's been doing amazing work. And off the back of this, I don't, I don't know anyone who would employ her. It, it is such a, an atrocious performance. And I'm like, you've got to be going somewhere to get that flat of a performance out of an actress of that crack calibre. I really wish I could say something to disagree with you there, but I absolutely can't. I was absolutely shocked at the performances by the actors. But again, 
these are actors that are masters of their craft. You know, Ewan McGregor is deemed an extremely talented actor and had done some amazing, you know, train spotting was before this. There were some other pretty amazing things. You know, we've seen him in Moulin Rouge around the same time. Um, Liam Neeson's well known for being, again, an extremely prolific actor and a good actor. And this is and, before the whole Taken thing. So, you know, he was still really <coughs> at the top of his game. <laughs> and the only thing the only thing that connects all these people and their terrible performance is terrible direction I assume and terrible writing I'm not convinced that the (sighs) we always poke fun at the Wachowski and their you know a bit of an inability to write dialogue but Lucas is up there as just as bad you know creating these massive worlds these massive intricate stories and worlds but cannot write a conversation between two people Mm. yeah I mean, the interactions between Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon, you know, we're supposed to feel that these are two, you know, friends who care a lot about each other. And, and you know, the, the relationship between a Jedi and a Padawan is supposed to kind of transcend that of, uh, you know, just of whatever. But they just sound like work colleagues griping about what's happening at the office next Tuesday. I mean, it literally feels like something out of office space. <laughs> yeah, if you'd have told me this was a high production parody... Because this was the era of parody movies as well. I'd have absolutely believed you. Or if this was some expensive SNL sketch, you know, with the actors of the week in it, I'd have equally believed you. So I was hoping, I guess, watching this, that the the fact I first saw it as a child would hold some nostalgia for me. And there are some elements of that, but not a huge amount. And I was hoping that rewatching it after a long time with fresh eyes, without engaging with the, uh, it's all terrible, wah, 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 beforehand. But hand on heart, I can't say I disagree with most of the negative comments about this film, um, which makes me really sad. <laughs> I was really hoping we'd come to a revelation that this is better than we thought it was or better than we remembered it being. I think... A lot of people have gone back and revisited the prequels and the prequel era. And, and look, there's a lot of nostalgia there for it. I, I absolutely understand that. I get it. I remember that moment in The Mandalorian when, you know, he gets his new ship and it's an N1 Starfighter. And everyone was like, yay, it's a Starfighter from The Phantom Menace. You know, and, you know some of those nods there. And, and I do get that. And, you know, Darth Maul's return. I understand that. But I think a lot of that is around the supplemental media which has come up around it. I, I mean... As world building goes, as, as giving us these worlds of, of, of Naboo, it's our first proper look of Coruscant. It's, uh, you know, it's another diet of Tatooine, but, you know, it wasn't quite as rinsed to death at this point as it has become since. As creating a world, as giving us a sense of a technology, you know, the, the Nubian ships are amazing. I love the Trade Federation ships, the battle droids with the Raja Raja. That, that, that's all great. So, so the world is a rich, rich kind of uh, tapestry there to be plucked from. But it's just the story that we're presented with in this film. It's just not good. And weirdly enough, it's not the reasons most people tend to to point and say it's wrong. Jar Jar is annoying. I get that. And and he's clearly being kind of set up as some sort of um, comedy character. I, I think the biggest failing of Jar Jar is he's kind of brought in as part of the main group. And you never had a character like that in, in the original ones. But he's not as... as, as an. Uh, He's not the biggest problem with this film. I have a much bigger problem with things like the Trade Federation and Watto and and the stuff that's going on there, which is just like, what what access is what what access even is that that they're trying to do? Let's just let's just say it, shall we? This movie um, comes across at best culturally insensitive and. Uh realistically just very racist this was very uncomfortable to watch particularly as you say the trade federation and jar jar and Watto. they're not they're not favorable caricatures of earth cultures are they yeah it's it's just wild choices and I, I, I get the whole sense that, you know, Lucas tends to pull from classical sources and archetypes because, you know, you know the, these are at their core kind of fairy tales. But it's it's kind of unforgiving. I, I mean, I think the most egregious is probably Watto, you know. Just, well, just I don't given... know, the Trade Federation are pretty... <laughs> they, they are, but I mean, Watto's out there literally holding slaves. 
Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, again, if if the Trade Federation had been in the original trilogy made in the 70s, you'd go, okay, it was made in the 70s. We know that's not appropriate. We know that's not okay now, but it's a product of its time. You know, you're you're talking something made midway through the Cold War, et cetera, et cetera. But this isn't. This is stuff made in, you know, according to the Matrix, the pinnacle of the human race. 1999 and I'm not I'm not sure how no one spotted it or no one thought it wouldn't be a problem that these are the representations we're getting I don't like Jar Jar because again I think he's 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 not um a very sensitive character I agree his the main problem is the fact that they he's his weaponized incompetence is funny and it is in its way funny but it's not funny because it's all the way through when he's in the battle and he's got the droid caught around his foot and he's shooting all the other droids if that was his only weaponized incompetence that would be funny but it's not it's repeatedly all the way through and that's that's awkward to watch um really awkward to watch and i think I always felt that Jar Jar was kind of meant to fit the Yoda gap. If you massively misinterpret why Yoda's popular, if you assume Yoda is popular because he talks in a very unusual way and he looks very different with big ears, you can see how you went from that in the original trilogy to Jar Jar. Well, since you brought up uh, the, uh, the green puppet, let's talk about Yoda. These films as a whole do not serve Yoda well because they rob him of so much of his his mystique and and the sense that you know he, he was a a wise master who knew what was coming on i mean him and the entire jedi council just come across as massively incompetent egotistical just bad at their jobs and you know okay maybe that's the point lucas is trying to make in in, in the story that he's telling but you know watching this you know you have to kind of put it this way i i have New, newfound understanding why when in The Last Jedi uh, Luke talks about how the Jedi need to end yeah if I'd have watched the prequels and seen this as being the Jedi I'd have probably said you know what this is probably not an organisation which should be allowed to continue they are such assholes. like they really are <laughs> just and they talk about stuff in as I said I, it's you know too old to begin the training okay he stood right there people like you're dicks you're absolutely dicks about this whole thing and why is your little religious order though you're not a really religious order now you appear to be like a militia is that what you are like just going in a technical term i believe a technical term is cult well yeah but they're they're inserting themselves into trade disputes for why why are they what? the ones protected? Like, I just, I know it probably tells me in the film or someone's going to tell me that I need to what, read five books that connect it all together. I, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, if, if, if you go back through the Great Derelict Archives, uh, there was an episode I did with uh, Kara Roslin where we asked, was Palpatine entirely wrong in getting rid of the Jedi Order? And we came to the conclusion, probably not. And also they're like, oh, a Sith, we've not seen one of those for millennia. Really? I thought the whole point. I thought the whole point is they was meant to be Sith and Jedi, and they were meant to be balanced. I thought that was the whole thing. Like, surely they must be aware that like the Sith were always there, right? They're not that dumb, are they? Oh, the I'm, Sith I'm sure just, just didn't, didn't want to talk to you. They just didn't call themselves Sith. That was all. Yeah, you know, that's how we also, get around that now. <laughs> right. Okay. Now I've started this rant. Liam Neeson's character comes across as a crazy pants in this movie. Mm-hmm. Why gone? Like. He's the chosen one. And everyone's like, yeah, but like maybe chill out a bit, Qui-Gon. Like, no, no, he's the chosen one. He's the chosen one. I'm putting my entire fucking life on the fact that he is the chosen one. And it's like, oh, religious seller, are we? The chosen one. Cult. Cult. I, I, just just on the off chance that Amber is listening to this, I would just like to say that that is entirely Rachel's point of view. And I still love you, baby. And Liam Neeson is fine. Okay. Just, just wanted to, uh, just wanted to get that out of it. He's great. <laughs> but his, it, he literally is like, yes, this is, he, he takes one sample of blood and is like, yeah, well, this is the chosen one. I've decided. And his poor pad one, uh, poor Obi-Wan is like given a death, he makes him deathbed promise that he's going to train Anakin to be the chosen one. This is all fucking Qui-Gon Jinn's fault for being a religious zealot. A little bit, yeah. Also, why did you bring Anakin here to this very dangerous planet, which is, you know, clearly under... I mean, did you, did you not trust the Jedi to just push him off of a building back in Coruscant or something? Or, does, 
this is the problem with this film as well. The more you pull on threads... The, the, oh, it unravels the, like a cheap Christmas jumper in seconds. And, and the thing is, though, you can say the same about all of the Star Wars films, but the others are just much better made. So, that yeah, you start pulling threads and become a bit frayed. But this one, it really does start going to piece very, very quickly. Um, another thing I really dislike in this film, and, and it kind of started... I, I think this is the film where it, uh, it started, is how small the galaxy now is, where you have Anakin meets r2d2 and he's the one who's built c3po do not even fucking mention him building that fucking droid i just did i just did that is the biggest that is just that is such lazy shit story writing like c3po is meant to be this amazing protocol droid and in the like i had a new love for c3po from the original trilogy having just watched them and how c3po was and what he did and i really felt this relationship with r2 was hard earned and you know they'd they'd he'd been around and seen stuff no no he was made on tatooine by fucking anakin skywalker because george lucas was too lazy to come up with a better way of him being there or do you know what he didn't have to be there. He could have just not been in the movie. That was equally an option. Yeah. My dog has just made a woof noise in agreement. Too right, Leia. I, I want to talk a little bit about Jake Lloyd here, who, 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 and, and to be clear, you know, both him and Ahmed Best, they were not responsible for the characters that they played in this film. It, the hate for, and, and hate is the wrong word here, but, you know, the abuse should have been directed towards Lucas, not towards them. And the fact that both of them were, were driven to to, um, to, to serious uh, mental issues because of the backlash on this is fucking unforgivable. But with Jake Lloyd specifically, he is far too young, in my mind, to be playing the character in this moment. I think what they should have done is have Hayden Christian, as he is in Attack of the Clones, in this role here and now. I don't see any reason why you couldn't either, but it would make so much more sense and it would fit a lot better with um, uh, Padme because that whole relationship's creepy as fuck. Uh... But it means when they say too old to start the training, you might go, yeah, you know what? You might have a point there. Not when you've got a, like, a 10-year-old boy, you say you're too old to start the training. It's like, really? Because I'm pretty sure he massacres some kids around the same age in the last film. So I find it really bizarre, generally, uh, these films have always been, well, I don't know. They were not kids' films. The original trilogy were not films kids saw them. They were appropriate for kids to watch, but they were not kids' films. They were family-friendly films. I think it's fair to say. Uh, I, I'd push back a little bit. I, I think they were family films, but they, they, they were certainly targeted more so to children. I think. I, I think. But they all featured grown-ass adults. No, no, they are not adults, but but my, my point is, I, I think they were aimed at children, but they were in such a way that, you know, children could enjoy, in, enjoy the movie in the moment, but the adults could also sit there and, and follow along. And there's just something universal about that sort of fairy tale structure where you, you can do it. My, my point is, yes, they are family films, but I think the original trilogy skewed a lot more towards kids. This film, I think... They say they want to skew towards kids, and then we have taxation and trade routes. And and but they had a child stuff. in the in the in the. My point is they because they put a child in that feature role. Anakin is a child. It's is that ref, is that meant to reflect the audience age that's watching it? Because we've never done that in Star Wars before, or I'd like to point out since. And I think you're right. I think that is a misstep to make him so young, because it's not that we as adults don't want to watch children in stranger things has been huge with with adults you know and that's meant to be kids around the same age as anakin's supposed to be and uh you know the the ghostbusters the new ghostbusters afterlife is again kids so you can do family films that adults enjoy with kids in that central space and heck the goonies and stuff did it much earlier lost boys etc but it was a massive misstep in star wars we'd not had children in it before and adding a child, a, a, a child, not even a teenager, a child Anakin Skywalker, I think is one of the the fundamental flaws of the building blocks of this film. Because you're right, it's it's not the actor's fault. He is a child. This is not Harry Potter. He doesn't have to be that age. That was a conscious decision to make this character that young. I mean, it doesn't work as well because, you know, th th this kid is going to grow up to be Darth Vader. And I, I think... You you rob Vader of of some of that menace and, and, and power oh, as well Vader by is showing robbed completely of his menace in this movie completely. Yeah. And, and it's like if it was Hayden Christian, I think that's fine, you know, because 
it's you know someone who's a teenager effectively the age that luke is when we first encounter him in star wars i think would have resonated so much better and i think it would have alleviated a lot of the criticisms that the film had at the time and of that would read towards um uh, jake lloyd as well uh, i i think that would have been a much better uh, uh, direction to go there I, and, and i don't think there's any reason why you couldn't then follow hayden christensen as he grows up to become the anakin that we see in um in in both uh revenge for sith and and in the later incarnations that we've seen in ahsoka and obi-wan and so forth does, does that would be my biggest takeaway for, from watching that there it's just jake lloyd uh, it, it's just it, it's far too young having Anakin as a preteen. Exactly. On Anakin and his age, so oof, oof. Anakin is a slave and his mum is a slave in this, and we kind of gloss over that we're okay with slavery in this this version of Star Wars, like. Well, no, they, they, they very clearly say they're not okay with it, but they very, also very clearly says, but there's nothing I can do, so I'm not going to do anything. Uh, that's not great, is it? That's not... No, that's not, it's that's, not. And it's the fact not. that, you know, I feel... I feel they had to get to a point with Darth Vader. You could say Darth Vader is entirely created because the Jedi left his mother as a slave as a child and only got him out. But then they appear to have income and a house and he's got enough money to build this this protocol droid and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that they're not slaves, but that's certainly... It's it's very confusing on how you put that together. It's slavery, but it's okay because they're kind of like, you know, looked after. And so it's okay to leave his mum there. And just when Anakin is just stood in front of fucking Yoda and the Jedi Council, it's like, mm, thoughts of your mother you have. Of course he fucking does. He's never left his planet. He's just left his planet and his mum and his mum's still a slave. And that's okay, apparently. Okay. Well, it's also, you know, when Obi-Wan goes up to Watto and he tries to do the mind trick, you know, mind tricks don't work on me, only money, because, of course, the Jewish stereotype is only interested in money, but that's beside the point. Uh, but what you then have is, is well, okay, so mind tricks don't work on him. You need to get money. And, and let's be clear, Obi-Wan has zero issues entering to morally questionable spaces. Uh, not Obi-Wan, sorry, Qui-Gon. But as I say, uh, you know, Qui-Gon doesn't have problems with doing this. What, what I think you should do is just walk down the road to someone who is susceptible to mind tricks, say, give me all your money, thank you. Jobs are good. Ah, yeah, oh, but they don't get involved with slavery. We don't like slavery, but we're going to do fuck all about it. I'm not, I'm not even talking about slavery. I'm talking about just buying the parts to get off the planet. Yeah, it, it, it's super lazy, isn't it? Oh, it's the first guy I've walked up to. And it's the only what he says he's the only one with these parts. So clearly, we're going to trust him. But again, we've pulled at threads and it's fallen apart. I want us to leave our negativity for a moment and focus on the things that are good in this film. And there are not just my member berries. There are some really good bits in this film. There is some real gems hidden among this. Ray Parks being one of them, and Darth Maul, underused, massively underused, but he's brilliant. Oh, look, he's he's great, and and you know. The setup is awesome, and, and I do like what they have done with with Darth Maul in the um, the Clone Wars and the subsequent media. But he, as you say, he's done a dirty here. The, thing, the other thing I really noticed in this film is how rich and detailed the costume and makeup is. You know, the the costuming the 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 the, the costuming is literally out of this world. Oh yeah, uh, particularly around Naboo and. You know that ombre look that the you know that the the ombre look that the handmaids wear for for the the queen's guards. We're not poking too much about why they've got a fourteen year old girl as their their princess or whatever. I'm just I'm just leaving that aside because um, we're talking about the positive things. But the ignoring Padme's outfits themselves, which are stunning, the wraparound outfits. You know the 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 guards, everything else. There is such such a cohesion and a real physical style and i, I, I love I, that I, in I it love the, um, I, I love the look at the um uh, the pilots who have like great coats and you know almost world war one slash two slash esque goggles built into the helmets you know which kind of feeds into that aesthetic of a time uh before modern you know if you look at an x-wing the x-wing looks a lot like a cold war fighter jet these, the N1 fighters, they look like a Spitfire or something out of World War II. There's an elegance to them, which kind of feeds through all of the stuff that we see on the boo. Uh, and yeah, look, and I love the ships too. Still, I, I love the ships. I love I, the production design is second to none. I, and I, I do maintain, I think this is, I mean, obviously, 
I think this is the prettiest Star Wars with the exception of The Last Jedi in terms of cinematography and how it's filmed. Because when we get into Attack of the Clones, nothing feels real. It doesn't ever feel like they're there. Uh, Revenge of the Sith is a lot better with that. But but this film, you know, just, just like when the fighters launch out of a hanging, you've got the looking out of this lush green landscape there over, over Naboo. You've got the waterfalls coming down there. Uh, Tatooine, it's full of sand, but it looks... This looks like the city that they wanted for the special edition of A New Hope. Whereas, you know, in there they just kind of fudged it around the edges because they didn't build that set. This feels like they built a huge space. And and our first proper look at Coruscant, which has that feel of a mass uh, metropolis, you know, a, a, a entire city surrounding the planet, which has just become so iconic. You know, so many science fiction films now will show a, a city planet it is based off of what we see in Coruscant here. We both agree the set design, the production... Did it win the Oscars for this? I'm assuming it won costume and makeup Oscars. It was nominated for three awards, but it lost them all to The Matrix. It was sound effects, visual effects, and best sound. Really? It didn't get any any nominations for the, vi- for the costume? No. Wow. I'm mm. really shocked, because this is... I mean, I understand losing out to The Matrix, because... But costume and design, like I'm, I'm just looking at the stills from it and stuff. It is, it is beautiful. The vistas when we get to see them are beautiful, and they feel like other worlds. You know that that bit is done well. Well, the CG as well really, really stands up. Those battle droids feel real. They feel like they're present in the moment. Uh, they felt a little bit lacking in gravity for me but you know well, you, say that now. you say that now you, you come back to me tomorrow and tell me they still are lacking well, in uh, gravity well, this is the thing <laughs> and i think this is what makes the phantom menace better than what is about to come um is the fact that it because it does have the element of reality still in there there are some real sets and the cg is placed in that space rather than being entirely cg it holds up better yeah um, it, it, it 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 feels like as I said, you know, the stuff when they're in Naboo, walking around the palace, it, it, I, I, I still to this day think that they just went and filmed on location somewhere in Italy or something. They might have done, but it just feels very real. And, and that moment, you know, I always remember the scene where the Gungans all line up in there with their troops and it, they deploy all the tro- uh, the, um, uh, the battle bots who, who kind of, you know, the heads all pop up one by one and they turn as That's one. That's a brilliant visual shot. Brilliant. Yeah. And that cinematography is is fantastic um, yeah. I'm just looking back through my notes and uh, I've got three, senten- three sentences in a row that are love the baby ship oh fuck off Anakin the pod racing is pretty cool <laughs> that is that is my conscious train of thought while watching this film um, what's, what's the baby ship? oh the um, the very very smooth ship the, the, the Naboo ship oh the Naboo oh, okay gotcha yeah yeah no, no the pod race I mean it's spectacular. It is a spectacular moment, but I will say it, it, it stops the film dead. Oh, it's a separate film on its own, mm. and I think I think part of that is is pod racing was such a cool thing to add. It was such a a fascinating bit into Tatooine, and I'm really sad that in the fact that we keep fucking going back to Tatooine and we have not bothered to visit pod racing again or even just mention it. Like, pod racing has died. Apparently it only existed in The Phantom Menace and never again. Well, I mean, I can see it being, you know, if, 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 it, if it was outlawed by the Empire for, for reasons, but I mean, I did do like some of the nods we've gotten in the um, uh, in the Mandalorian. Um, uh, what's his name? Timothy Oliphant. Uh, I can't remember what his character Cad Bane. Cad no, it wasn't Cad Bane. Anyway, Timmy Volifant's character. He had one of Anakin's engines on his speeder that was kind of salvaged. And then when Din is flying his N1, he goes through Beggar's Canyon and you can still see the ramp that Anakin was forced to drive up towards the end. It still has the broken sign there. I like those little callbacks, but yeah, it's it's just like we never see this part of Tatooine again. And I think that's a, a shame because pod racing gives Tatooine such flavour. This whole kind of scum and villainy and, you know, it's an outlaw planet. And then you've got illegal, extremely dangerous racing where you use your slaves to race for you um, to win you money. Uh, mm. But we're, we're ignoring that bit. What do you think about Jabba being here? Completely unnecessary. Again, it's that 
and I find it interesting because we talk about now about the constant need to tie things back into each other and the MCU are well known for doing it now but Star Wars did this 20 plus years ago 25 years ago mm-hmm. and yeah it is unnecessary. It, I, it's it's in the par with the C th- Anakin making C three PO stuff for me. We didn't need it. We didn't need this. I mean, I, I think Jabba's less uh, egregious here than he was in uh, A New Hope, in, in the special edition, or even three PO in this film. You know, because it's such a small, minor thing, and you know, if if he is a important crime lord, it's fine. It doesn't have to be him, but it doesn't annoy me in the same way that having three PO there kind of just makes the universe feel small i think i would have preferred it and, and again it's a minor thing isn't it compared to the other stuff but i think i'd have preferred if it was like uh oh and the huts are here and baby jabba would have been you know um, or you know i think i think they could have done that tie without it necessarily being quite so in your face yes um, no, that's fair. Uh, pod racing is great I, I think it's, i think you're right i think it stops the entire film dead to have this separate mm-hmm. little film in the middle but the pace, if you take it as its own entity, the pacing is great. Once Jar Jar stops being farted at by another space creature, which, uh, I know kids find farts funny. I still find farts funny. But it just, it was, it was such a weird thing to stick in Star Wars. Well, just, just when he's walking in there and he steps in some, some shit or something, and it's just, you know, they're going around calling everything poodoo, and it, it's, it's like. This was this was difficult. This, this legitimately, this this I, I found it hard to watch this film. And I'll tell you what, as well, it really started to drag I, t- towards the um, second half. You know, I found myself reaching for my phone or be- being distracted because it. I just wasn't engaged in the film, and I didn't. I've got a confession. Was- oh yeah, I watched it in two halves. I went oh, off and did something else in the middle. Now you see, I I, I powered through, but I didn't. It, when I was watching the original films for this, I was actually a little bit. Um, amazed that you know I, again I'm, I'm autistic I, I'm, I'm not necessarily ADHD but I, I definitely have a tendency that I want to have stimulation of that and I didn't have any of that while watching the original ones in this though pretty much by the time we get to Tatooine I'm already kind of at my phone I, I paid attention to the uh, pod race but then when we get to Coruscant and everything after that it's just like okay um, checking my watch oh no we've still got like an hour to go here um is this film films a lot longer than I remember it being? And it's only seventeen minutes longer than the last one. But you feel every minute every, you feel every one of those seventeen minutes, and you know what? Mars <laughs> is even longer. So you got <sighs> that. To <look> to. <laughs> but again, pod racing, fantastic, visually spectacular, brilliant. Um, you know, action sequences. Pod racing for me was actually one of the highlights of this film. Um, mm-hmm. I know it doesn't fit within the rest of the film, but it was the the pods themselves, the difference between them all. They're interesting. They're fun. One of the greatest computer games of all times, though, is Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer, which is an amazing racing game. And, I've and got it. if you get well, it, it's, it's it's worth playing that alone because that's a ton of fun. Um, no, I've still got it. Still love it. Still play it. Um, mm. So pod racing as a narrative device to get the answer happens it has a purpose it completes its purpose i mean it's so it's such a convoluted thing to like i said you know i i think obi-wan could just walk two doors down mind trick someone else to to give him money or or, or something and you know giving him republic credits in in, in lieu or there was a million other ways to, to do this I mean, Qui-Gon is just, it's its very strange in, in, in this world and, and how it fits in here. Um, I mean, Darth Maul shows up kind of out of the blue. They kind of... Oh, there's, dish, no, dish, there's dish. no segue there at all, is there? I was like, shit, did I blink? Did I blink and yeah. miss it? Like, one second, it's like, I'm on the planet now, I'm fucking fighting Obi-Wan. It's like, oh, okay, oh, sorry, fighting Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon. There, was no, <laughs> there was no connection there whatsoever. You know, if you want to set up Maul as a potential... Nemesis. I, I can see the, the the need to 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 have him there as a, an ever present threat throughout, but it's just it, it feels so slapdash. Like it really does feel like this was a last minute. They, they they got to the end of the film and they thought, you know, we've we've seen Maul in the background here and then he's at the end, but you know he's just missing for the rest of his film. We should probably drop him in somewhere. Speaking of Maul, let, let's have a little chat about what I would argue is perhaps the greatest moment in this film, it, which is. 90% down to the music Duel of the Fates only 90% down to the music I'd have said 98% down to the music 
No, no, look, the, 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 the choreography there is spectacular, you know, and, and Ray Park is a trained martial artist. They, and they it shows. Bring, well, and it shows, and that's the thing, and, and, and they bring a a vibrancy and, an, you know, I, I said a couple of days ago that one of the issues with lightsaber fights in the prequels onwards is they're no longer trying to hit the person, they're trying to hit the lightsabers. And that's very apparent here, but it's so frantic and there's so much going on with the music swelling, I didn't care. I'm like I'm still entertained watching this display because it, it it is really impressive, uh, you know, display of choreography here. But yeah, I mean, I, at no point did I really feel like they were desperately trying to hit each other. It was a dance where they both were choreographed to the point where they knew exactly where they had to be at every moment. But is that the Force and the Jedi standings, and you know, you fight in this very particular way? Is that because I think you're I, I I don't disagree with you at all in in the way they've kind of changed lightsaber fighting and stuff um but did you not still have that really fucking cool moment when he ignites the other half of the lightsaber because i did i was like ah, yeah it's got I, I, to I, I still remember watching that in the cinema at that moment and it was just like mind blown because the internet wasn't the pervasive thing it is today back in 1999 you know it it, it uh, <laughs> I don't even. I definitely didn't follow any kind of um, movie sites and thing back in the day. Uh, I don't f- know if it was in the trailer at first, but I just remember seeing it, seeing that moment when you know. F- firstly, you know, he removes the the cloth and you see it, you know, the spiked head and everything. The lightsaber's there, and then he, as he just pulls back, this other blade ignites and the music swells, and then both Obi Wan and Qui Gon just kind of like go, "Okay, we have our little lightsabers too," and then they're just at it and. It's, it's just such a spectacular battle and it feels so wasted because there's just no weight behind it at all. None of these people know each other. I mean, okay, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan do, but we don't know. They don't like uh, each other, clearly. But, but they don't know. I mean, you think back to uh, to the great fights in um, the original trilogy, which are Luke and Vader, generally speaking. The first one, there's that weight of expectation. It's the first time that Luke is going to face down against Darth Vader, the guy who destroyed the Death Star, who killed his mentor, who, who everything there. And, and you know, Vader's just like, yeah, whatever, I don't give a fuck. And then the second time when Luke loses control and is just wailing on him with, and, and the emotional resonance that's going on here. Here, it's a very cool choreographed sequence, but does not, and the music is doing so much heavy lifting here. But at, at no point I'm like going like, it's really important that they defeat Darth Maul. It's like, why? Why does it matter if they defeat Darth Maul? Because Amidala's gone to go and get Nuke Ginray. Um, the Gungans are fighting the army and the fighters are taking down the ship. This is a sidebar thing. This is just like a distraction, really. And I think we'd had a lot of lightsaber action up until this point against the droids and everything else. So I feel I feel lightsaber on lightsaber action <laughs> um, was not... If it wasn't in there, I don't think we'd know to miss it, if that makes sense. And I think I think what they tried to do with this last part of, of Phantom Menace is recreate what happened in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, where they had three different um, plots all happening at the same time, and it paced and it worked really well. They had four different plots going on this time, and... And it didn't pace really well, and it and didn't it work. Didn't, um, <laughs> which is a shame because actually the lightsaber stuff, is, as, as we say, let's, let's just get out of there. It's fucking cool, pointless oh, but yeah. fucking cool. Jewel of the Fates, probably yeah. one of the best bits of of music in in cinematic all of Star Wars. history. Uh, and I'll tell you what as well, uh, the fact they were originally going to call the ninth film Jewel of the Fates as a callback to this, I'm like, yeah, that would have been awesome. We'd have forgiven you for a lot if that had happened, but never mind. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Tra- tra- Trevor has got a lot to answer for, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> and you've then got uh, the the Naboo with Princess um, Padme off doing their stuff. I really like that bit as well. That's cool mm-hmm. with them them kind of espionaging their way through. It looks cool. It's different. Um, I really enjoyed that. The star have you dogs. Have, no- have, you, have you noticed though? There's no one who lives on Naboo apart from the 12 oh, yeah. people in the... Because, you know, they keep talking about how, oh, our people are suffering and, oh, you must contact me and everything. But you, I, I don't think you see anyone. You, you never see the droids taking people prisoner or, or doing anything. I'm, I'm not it's advocating... It's It really is. It, it doesn't have any sense of, um, of, of threat 
to it, really. And I, I, I was wondering this as well when I was watching it. Is the whole reason why it's against a droid army so you can show the, um, the Jedi slicing people in half and still objectively being the good guys? It's exactly the same reason that Marvel heroes always fight aliens with purple blood or green blood or gold blood in Thor, Love and Thunder. It's so they can show it on television in the cinema without higher level ratings it's yeah that's that's completely the reason mm. um and i'm okay with that that's the narrative that's where we are fine um yeah. that's that is a different podcast conversation <laughs> uh but yeah you know there's 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 two really happening things going on here and the starfighter stuff we just don't care about it we don't care about the really nice the beautiful ships off doing things. Uh, I found the 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 actual space battle was so so shanky compared to the ones in Return of the Jedi. Like that oh, yeah. was, I think, the biggest whiplash between the two is how poor the space battles were in this, and how it just wasn't. It, we didn't. <laughs> I didn't care. You know, some of some of the characters we've been with, even the peripheral ones. You know, why wasn't Kira Knightley's um, handmaiden like? make she's a pilot go go put her in it like give us some connection and some care to to those pilots we had none at all something else that uh, i I noticed watching it this time that i hadn't necessarily picked up on before anakin has absolutely no agency in this entire thing because he doesn't choose to take off you know he hits a button accidentally and, and it takes him up on autopilot and you know he, he doesn't make a conscious decision to fly into the ship to uh, to blow it up it's all accident it's all luck you know he doesn't even plan to fire the torpedo which destroys the ship he's just hitting buttons to see what happens and they talk about him being a great pilot i'm like it's boba fett syndrome he's succeeding despite idiocy Oh, weaponized incompetence is the actual name of a phantom menace because mm. that is what that is what wins the day Jar Jar Binks as a general is the most fucking stupid thing in this movie and that's saying a lot because <laughs> it, it makes no narrative sense you know stick him in I would rather they stuck him in a fighter jet and were like ah you've been to space Jar Jar you can go in go and f- fly with the the squadron now that would have been better than him leading the army with no military experience yeah <laughs> the Gungan army versus the droid army that would have been cool but again we had no connection to that that was just CGI things shooting other CGI things which very well done CGI things to be clear much better done than it's about to be done tomorrow I'm sure um mm-hmm. But I feel I feel we should have had some human characters mixed in. You know, split up Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Put Obi Wan with the Gungans, or and Gun- and and Qui Gon Jim with the the um, Naboo uh, force doing their thing. You know, just and then have them when they meet come across Darth Maul while the space battle's still going on. You know, there are so many ways we could have still had all four of those elements, and they just felt more connected to the story or felt more of a story and improve pacing but yeah ugh, ugh. Star Wars epino- episode one weaponized incompetence mm. uh, and again I, you can't fault um, the, you know the, the actors behind it because look you are never and we still see this this day if someone says do you want to be in Star Wars are you going to fucking say no because I wouldn't say no would you no like and looking at the acting talent, you know, Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, Natalie Portman, um, you know, Brian Blessed's in it, Ray Parker, Warwick Davis, um, Kira Knightley. These are all big actors. These are all top of their game talent. And you forgot Samuel L. Jackson. Sorry, sorry. Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. <laughs> well, that's because he's barely in this movie. Um, and even when he's in there, he, I, I was very aware that Samuel L. Jackson was just playing samuel l jackson (laughs) but if george lucas called you in 1997 and says hey do you want to be in my star wars movie hell even if someone called me now and said do i want to be in star wars there's absolutely no way i'm going to say no because it's fucking star wars isn't it Mm -hmm. so you had the absolute pick of the best acting talent you could get you cannot tell me they were all having a bad day in this movie there is there is there's too many Oscars, BAFTAs, and that between the between them, for it to to, to be on the actors. But this is, is though, so if flat. You, if you think back to uh, A New Hope, 
you can see this is how Lucas gets them to deliver dialogue because th th there's echoes of like moments when uh, Leia's talking with like Han and Luke when they're trying to escape the Death Star. You know, th there's a sense where people are delivering lines, they're not having a conversation, and you can definitely feel that as a, a thread throughout here. I, I, I do think that it, it, it just comes down to Lucas has issues directing actors. He just isn't able and to And writing get them. dialogue. Well, no, because I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I think the dialogue can work with a director who can direct them to do it properly. A lot of the dialogue in all of the Star Wars films, including Empire and Jedi, is clunky as fuck. But what you then need is you need someone like Harrison Ford who will look at some of that stuff and say, this doesn't make sense, I'm going to say this instead. But you only get that when you have a trust between an actor and a director where you both trust the process. And I think what you have here is a situation where Lucas is saying, you read what I wrote. And look, as I said earlier on, it's his film, it's his money, he's making the film he wants to make. If Lucas is happy, then that's fine. But it is not a good film. And and I have to say, revisiting this, again, for the first time, probably in close to 15-odd years, uh, this this has this has not aged well. And, and people who now, especially in the discourse about the comparison of the sequels and the prequels, turning around and saying that these are good, actually, I just don't see it. I, I, I see the stuff around it is good. The Clone Wars stuff, the stuff Dave Filoni has done is good. I get the love of the era and the world. But the film on its own, I just don't think it's good. I really want to controversially disagree with you, but I don't. You know, I was key demograph when this came out. And I, I remember with my cousins playing in my nan's back garden with sticks that we'd painted in the colour of lightsabers. Like, the cultural impact it had on us at the time as kids we played star wars you know and it was a result of this film i remember being on uh, brownie pack holiday and there were cereal boxes and we had uh star wars spoons in them and we weren't allowed them because there were not enough spoons for the n number of kids that were there just how much it is a formative part of my childhood and how much I was like, you know what, if I sit down and this just gives me all the member berries and stuff like that, okay, fine. That's that's okay. Like, I can accept that it's a product of its time. But it's not. It is objectively a bad film. It's mm -hmm. a poorly paced, poorly directed film that is too busy getting us from A to B than to do any character development. There is literally no character development in this movie. But again, that goes back to the, the big problem is Anakin's age. If Anakin was five years older, it would be much better. If well, nothing else less, changed... It would be less cringy. <laughs> if literally nothing else changed in this film except the age of Anakin... Mm. I think we would have a lot. We would give it a lot more grace. Hayden Christensen, we get in Attack of the Clones, would slot into this film absolutely fine. Uh, no, no problems whatsoever. He, he's even playing the same kind of awkward teenager who doesn't really know how to interact with women or people in general. I, I, I think you could have had Hayden Christian in here as Anakin, and it would have gone a long way to alleviate a lot of those problems. It would not alleviate all the problems. I don't think it would have made this a good film. No, no, but, it would not. No, but it, it would have taken that away from the, uh, the, the negative column there. Uh, and I, I also just think, uh, as a, a general overview, you know, I, I've spoken many times about how you know Star Wars is, is meant to be a Flash Gordon serial, you know, that's the whole idea, you know, and, and when, when he put episode five, you know, it was maybe this sense. When you give something episode one, you know, it is the beginning. There's a, you know, if, if I may uh, quote from June, the beginning is a very delicate time. And this just does not, this is not an auspicious start to this saga. And we made the conscious choice to, well, we, we made the conscious, I made Rachel do it this way, but, but we, we decided to do this in chronological release order. Uh, at least for the main sequence films, I'm I'm wondering, has that doomed the prequels now? If we'd have started this project watching episode one, I can tell you building... exactly what would happen if we'd started with episode one. I'd have got so. 45 minutes in. I'd have gone, Andy, fuck this fucking project. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Enjoy your Christmas. Oh, so I shot myself in the foot by insisting we do it this yeah. way around. Okay. But, I actually, but actually, I think this is important that we're doing it this way around. I do think this is the right way around to do it, and. I definitely 
I think I'd started to fall for the actually maybe the prequels aren't that bad kind of feeling and no 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 I'm stepping back on that the prequels are as bad as people thought they were at the time and well, we, can, we, can, we can only talk about this one so far because we have yet well, to watch okay, well, of the this one, <laughs> I can having watched yesterday Return of the Jedi and this one today the disappointment I felt and I knew what this movie was I can only imagine how people felt sat in the cinema having spent 20 years loving Star Wars and reading all the books and the comics and you know it being such a formative part of their 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 existence I guess because nerd culture was not a big thing or it was very underground you know there was not as much of it it's not anywhere near as prevalent prevalent as it is today just the disappointment at seeing this presented to you as this is what star wars is now and uh, i was gonna say if if i could also quote i was there gandalf i was there three thousand years ago when we all when courage of men failed uh and is that that how you felt i i remember sitting there after this film had finished in in almost a sense of shock in in a sense where i'm like that was a Star Wars film. There were space battles. There was excitement. There was lightsabers. I, I did. Did I? Did I enjoy that? I remember sitting there for you know, well, li- leaving my father sort of thing. And and look, he'd enjoyed it. You know, there was there were spaceships. There was flashing things. There was you know, funny Jar Jar running around there. But I remember taking a moment going, I I'm I am very confused over what I am feeling right now. Um, first of many such conversations with myself over the years. But then. What happens is you, you get this sense of you, 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 you sit down and, and you speak to other people and you suddenly realise that was that wasn't good, was it? And they go, no, it wasn't, was it? And it's like I because I, I thought it was just me, you know. We kind of we kind of came to this realization that it wasn't, it wasn't good. And it was only later on when the internet became a thing and it all found a voice. And I, and I think that's perhaps where it went too far the other way. It's not a good film, but it is not. George Lucas did not rape your childhood okay just to be clear this being a bad film takes nothing away from those previous films unless you are someone who cannot differentiate fictional media from reality and 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 so i don't think it's worth i I don't think it's ever been um worth the the the, uh, the vitriol that's been thrown at it but at the same time especially now when people who dislike the sequel film and will say Lucas was an auteur and he should have been allowed to make the other films. I've got to tell you, I imagine he if absolutely Lucas made, should not. <laughs> if Lucas had made the sequel films, I do not think they would have been good. Whether look, we'll get to discussions about the sequels when we get to those ones, but I do not think I, I don't think people would have I don't think people would be lovingly looking back at the prequels if he'd have done the sequels. I think what they'd be saying is Lucas hasn't made a good film since Star Wars. I think they'd be going, why the fuck did we let him make another Star Wars movie after he bodged the last ones? Yeah, basically. Okay, so are we done with The Phantom Menace? Have we have we bitched and griped enough about Phantom Menace? Have we accepted uh, that there are some good bits in this film, even if they are few and far between or unfulfilled potential? I, 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 I think the best things that this film gave us are the, the production design, the, the world building. I love the look of the Star Wars world at this time. Uh, and I love the music. John John Williams, as always, absolutely bringing it. It's fantastic work here. Um, and I love the stuff which has come up around it. I love what Dave Filoni has done with the Clone Wars and with the Mandalorian and, and kind of, you know, all that connective tissue. But, but this on its own... <laughs> I honestly don't know if I'm ever going to go back and watch this film again. This is not a good film. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I can't imagine anyone listening to this is entirely surprised, but uh, after this, we've come to a conclusion. I was that... prepared to go to the hilt with you on this, <laughs> that this was actually a good film. I sat down and I was like, do you know what? I, I'm prepared. To, I was I came at this as open-minded as I could, prepared to defend it. Did, did, you, did you bring a nice little blanket and you found this nice thing? You go, yeah, this this here, this is a nice one. I'm going to die right here on this spot. A nice view overlooking I the was. fields. Wherever, yeah. And actually, I can't. It is not. My podcast should not have been Is Darth Vader Redeemable. It should have been Is a Star Wars Prequels Redeemable. And... <laughs> uh, well, well I guess we've got two more days left of the prequels to find out, but I think that's I think that's it for us on this. I think um, I think we need to go our separate ways. Come back tomorrow to talk about Attack of the Clones. 
Wow, they, they, I mean, the name alone kind of says it all, doesn't it? Attack it's not very Star Wars y title, is it? It feels sorry, like. Sorry, sorry, let me get it right. Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones feels like the sort of film that would be shown in a double bill in the 1950s alongside Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to Attack of the Clones. My memory being, this is my least favourite of the Star Wars films. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if where Rise of Skywalker is going to sit in, in this equation when we get to it. But, uh, but yeah, Do you know uh, what? I'm, I'm getting worried that actually I'm going to think the sequels are better than I originally thought they were. Oh, wow. I, I guess... I mean, not, uh, not, not good, <laughs> but better crafted stories than the one we have just watched. Is our actual takeaway from this, Andy, that the sequels are not that bad? Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait uh, a, f- a few more days to find out. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Attack of the Clones. If you feel like you want to, to listen along or watch along, uh, it's on Disney Plus and wherever you get your um, Star Wars media from. 